Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. Lord, open now my heart to hear, and through your word to me draw near. Let me, your word, ere pure, retain. Let me, your child, and heir remain. Amen. God's word that is the foundation of our message this joyful day is the gospel we heard just a moment ago recorded in Mark chapter 4. God bless our time in his holy word. Well, how'd he do? <laughs> He's not yet. First the law, then the clapping. <laughs> He's baptized. He's confirmed. He's married some. He's buried some. He's taught, he's preached, he's visited. For 40 years, Professor slash Pastor Zell has used God's word and worked to grow God's kingdom. It seems reasonable that after somebody has worked that long doing anything, but especially with God's word, there should be something really special to show for it. How's he done? Jesus shows us a couple of pictures that can help us measure how well he has done. And on this day, that the professor has invited a former student to share in his and his family's joy that we're celebrating this day in, in the first place, I'm grateful for the opportunity to invite you to help me grade him. But to be fair, we will measure like Jesus measures. In the first picture that Jesus used, he said a man scattered seed. That's all the man did. Whether he was awake or sleeping didn't matter to the seed. The seed grew all by itself. It sprouted, grew a stalk, formed a head, and then a full head of grain, and when it was ripe, it was harvested. Jesus said that the quiet power that is at work in that seed is like how God grows his kingdom. The power is the seed, and the seed is the word of God. We know that it is because Jesus had just finished using another picture about a farmer who scattered seed, and it went on to different kinds of soil. Do you remember that one that some fell along the path, and some fell on rocky, shallow soil? Some fell among the thorns, and some fell on good soil. The different soils represent different ways that people respond to hearing God's word. Jesus said, by God's grace, the seed that falls on good soil produces a crop up to a hundred times more. That's incredible growth. Have you heard of the Biltmore House? When I told all three services of my congregation and all of the Bible studies that I was coming here for this day to do this and why, nobody asked me or nobody said, wow, 40 years in the ministry. 
Nobody said, wow, what an honor to be asked to be a part of that. Everybody said, oh, you have to go see the Biltmore House. <laughs> it's the largest home in America. And one precious 90-something-year-old told me that she remembered from her recent visit, it impressed her so much to know that they needed so many bricks to build this thing that they built their own brick kiln on the property because they needed to crank out 32,000 bricks a day. And, she said, the wine is really good. <laughs> well, I did a little research. That's a huge house. And that's an incredible picture of phenomenal growth. One brick at a time, 32,000 a day, and now there's 250 rooms to that thing and four, more than four acres of floor space? And even after they sold 87,000 acres to the federal government, the thing still sits on 8,000 acres of land. The other picture that Jesus used was phenomenal growth like that. Instead of starting, though, with one brick, it started with the smallest seed you plant in the ground, a mustard seed. Yet when planted, Jesus said, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants, so large that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. I've got a small packet of mustard seeds that somebody brought me back from the Holy Land. When I say small, it's like the size of a postage stamp. It was so hard to count them, I thought, well, this is going to be a great way to help show the people how small those mustard seeds are. So I started to count them, and it didn't matter whether I used the top part of my glasses or the bottom part of my glasses. I couldn't see how many were there, so I guesstimated. I counted up this way, counted up that. Whatever is in that tiny little packet, it's hundreds. It's, not, it's like five, six hundred or more. And that's in a postage-sized stamp. Can you imagine if we had one brick that was filled with those mustard seeds and planted them. The trees that would grow out of that would fill the Biltmore house, the land it's on, and we would need those 87,000 acres back. It'd be huge. But do you know, the exact size of the seed, the exact size of the trees was not the main point. The point is that God's kingdom starts out small. But when God is the one who's growing his kingdom, he grows it more beautifully, more powerfully, more majestically, more magnificently than anyone could ever imagine. The reason we can miss that sometimes might be what we use to measure it. We can measure a church's membership, whether it's going up or down, we can see that and it looks like the church is growing or not. We can see some churches that God has blessed so richly they need a second church. But God also shows us another picture, a beautiful picture, when he shows us that you and I are also God's kingdom. God's ruling in our hearts and lives is his kingdom. One person who never forgets that is the devil. He hates that you are. So he sure doesn't want you to grow in or as God's kingdom because can you see what happens as you do? As people would see the peace and the hope and the joy that you have, they might want to have that too. And then God's kingdom would grow even more. So he's always working to try to stop that growth in you and around you. 
and he doesn't care what he needs to do to do it, he'll ask you, if you can remember a sin, how can it be as gone as the many different ways that Jesus says it is? If you, faulty human that you are, can still remember certain sins, of all the things you'd like to remember in life, the things you'd like to forget come to mind. But if you, faulty human, can remember those things, how can the perfect God possibly forget? The devil doesn't want you to have peace, not in your own life, and he sure doesn't want you to have peace with anyone else. And he doesn't need to be real creative to try to cause discord between you. L look, I mean, Maybe some of you, it happened today. He'll use the smallest thing to cause trouble in your own life. He'll use the smallest thing to cause trouble between you and someone else. And the longer you let that trouble set there, the more trouble he can cause. He'll try to steal a good night's rest by stirring up your thoughts about things or circumstances or people that you can't do a thing about. He wants you to lose your temper, not just so that you lose peace, but so that maybe you'll say something that's not kind and certainly not necessary. But you've got to say it. Because he wants you to hurt someone that you love or that loves you. He wants you to turn to anyone or anything but godly things for a moment of peace or to just de-stress just a little bit or for comfort, for pleasure. And then, if you do, he acts like he's shocked. I was hoping you would do it, but he acts shocked that you actually did it. You, a child of God who knows ahead of time that you shouldn't do that. No, no, no. no. You can't be. He'll use loved ones who've drifted away from church that take up an awful lot of your prayer time, but you don't know if they'll ever come back or if you'll be alive if they ever do to have you wonder whether God's word does always work. He'll use pain in your body, in your heart, in your mind, that you've maybe asked to be relieved from yourself or removed or maybe from someone that you care about a whole lot but you go to bed and they're still there and sometimes happy surprise you wake up in the morning and there's something new to have you wonder whether God is always listening or whether he will answer in the way that he knows is best for either you or the one you love He's so rotten that he'll use the emptiness of a home and a heart that is missing the voice, the laughter, the touch, the encouragement, the companionship, and the love of someone who meant the world to you to try to whisper that God is not as loving as he says he is. He'll have you look in all the right places, but it wants you to measure 
in all the wrong ways to see if God can or if God is growing his kingdom in you. He's so terrible that he could even saddle up to a pastor after 40 years and ask, has a lot of good really come (laughs) from sharing God's word? Because are the people different today than they were 40 years ago? Or are they still bad? Do you remember that man in the first picture that I mentioned? The one that scattered seed and whether he was awake or sleeping, the seed grew all by itself. For a long time I thought, well, we don't really know much about the man who scattered seed because the word of God that he scattered is what's important. And it is. But the man who scattered the seed is incredibly important too. To be sure, we know that Jesus is the word that's planted. We know that Jesus is the word who gives us his word in the first place. Jesus is the word who fills the universe. And yet, he was also willing to start so small. Whether people were awake or sleeping when he arrived did not matter to him. He simply came as a baby in the manger to grow his kingdom one by one in a most magnificent way into this most magnificent house of precious souls saved by the power of his word. And in pure grace, he calls and guides and empowers and encourages and enables some to spend their whole lives scattering that seed with him. Like Professor Zell did in classroom after classroom of young men, and every now and then one not quite as young, who have gone out all over the country and the world and have scattered even more. Like Pastor Zell has done teaching in classrooms small and large, with some people learning things for the first time about the Savior, how much he loves them and what he's done to show them. He's preached in churches with plain walls and with fancy, and in some places without any. He's spoken that word with a handful of water over foreheads young and old, calmed those who feared, assured those who doubted, Assured souls who could not forget the terrible regret or shake the shame of a troubling guilt that the Lord who died to forgive them has. He's gently and quietly told souls near the moment of their death that in the Father's house are many rooms and that Jesus has gone there to prepare a place for them and since he has, dear child of God, he'll come back and for you, very soon, to take you to be with him so that you also will live with him in heaven. And with a sad yet confident heart, he has then left those precious bedsides to share that same comforting word with those in the living room or the kitchen or the waiting room that that loved one just left behind. And as he did all of those things and so many more, the Holy Spirit worked through the word and grew God's kingdom. Over the past 40 years and more, in God's house, in the homes of others, and in his own home, God has worked through the word that he shared to grow seeds of wonder into the strength of certainty. To grow spindly twigs into branches of faith. 
Dear Christian, God has grown his kingdom. He has used Paul's zeal and the word he has proclaimed to grow it and the faith of the people in it. God is growing his kingdom. And he's using pastors Zell and Kerbis and all who faithfully proclaim his precious, life-saving, life-giving, life-changing word to do it. And he will continue to grow his kingdom as they and as I and as you and as all who follow after us do. That's a lot of hope. That's a lot of peace. That's a lot of joy. That's a lot of comfort. That's a lot of assurance. That's a lot of reassurance to all lives of a lot of people. And most importantly, that's a lot of precious souls who are with Jesus in heaven today. If we're looking for something really special to show from 40 years of working with God's word, that seems to be as special as it gets. And I read in the Bible that there, the food and the wine are really good. How did he do? By God's grace, by God's working, by God's growing, Pastor Paul Zell has done well, very well. And one day, by that same grace, he will hear from the one who actually matters, who will tell him, well done, my good and faithful servant. Until then, it's back to work for a little while longer. God bless you, Pastor Zell, for your faithful service and for your servant's heart that the Lord has given to you and worked in you over these years of service to him. God bless you, Pastor Zell's family, and God bless you, Pastor Zell's family in Christ. God has grown his kingdom. We have gathered here today as proof that he has. Amen. <laughs>